service. If you got your Bible this morning, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the Word this morning. You know, I've got you for about 30 more minutes and I've got about two hours worth of stuff and about 30 minutes to give it. So, but I'm going to take it nice and slow and whatever we don't finish this week, we'll get into next week. We're going to start this morning in Romans chapter 10. So if you got your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, then you can check out the screen or your iPad or whatever you use uh, as your way of getting the Bible in you and looking at it. It's uh, Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to start. And before we get started, I'd like to pray, pray for you guys and pray for myself. So let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, uh, for our opportunity together. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You said that we're two or more gather in your name, that you're in the midst of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that you reveal the things of Christ to us. So we ask for, we ask for you to do that, for you to show us uh, characteristics and things about Jesus and about ourselves that we've never seen before. And we ask for your word to be planted in our hearts and for it to grow up and produce fruit in our life, not just for us, but so that we can reach our generation and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak this morning. I ask for you to give me words, uh, not, not, not my words, but your words, words from heaven. I thank you, Lord. I ask you to give every person here ears to hear what you're saying, eyes to see what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Praise God. So Romans chapter 10, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, we're in the middle of a series called The Master. And, and what we're looking at is Jesus is the master. The Bible says that he's Lord of the earth. He's Lord of things over the earth. And it actually says he's Lord of, the, of things under the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, even demons. The Bible says tremble at the name of Jesus. He's the master of everything. He's the master of all, master of the universe. But, I th uh, but, but not just uh, him being the master, but actually we've been talking about whenever he moves in us, whenever you ask Jesus to come into your heart, if he's master of everything, he moves on the inside of you, then he causes you to master. Or he wants you to learn how to master your emotions, master your mouth, master your thoughts. I mean, y'all know that can be a big deal. Mastering your finances or mastering how to be a good dad or a good husband or a good wife. Uh, he moves on the inside of you and causes you to master uh, every facet of your life. But this morning, I, I want to talk to you or speak to you about introducing other people to the master or reaching other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the greatest responsibility that you and I have on this planet, the greatest of all of your responsibilities on this planet is to reach people for Jesus Christ. First off, your family. You know, of course, uh, uh, we think that the, our greatest responsibility is to take care of our kids and, and to take care of our spouses or take care of our, the people that God's entrusted us. But, but the number one thing that you need to do for them is make sure and introduce them to the master. Yeah, the greatest responsibility any of us have is reaching others for Christ. And, and it is a, a, a responsibility. Jesus said you must be born again. He didn't say you might. He didn't say you could. No, he told Nicodemus, he says, listen, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, what am I supposed to do? Get back inside my mother? He says, no, Nicodemus, he said, you have to be born of the spirit and born of water. But you, you must. Every person on this planet needs to be born again, has to be born again, must be born again. And it's our responsibility to reach them, to influence them 
to, to do whatever it takes. And it's not just a responsibility, though. It's a joy. The greatest joy you'll experience on this planet, I can tell you, I'm speaking from experience. The times in my life that I've had the most fun were the times whenever I've influenced people for the kingdom of God. And, and whether that's been one-on-one where I just sit down and talk to people or, or whether, it's, whether I'm preaching or teaching. But any time that I'm doing kingdom business, that's the most fun that, that, that I have. The most fun you'll ever have is, is leading people and bringing them to the knowledge of God. You'll walk away from that feeling better than winning the lotto feeling better than winning a gold medal because those things uh, the times that you invest in people you're investing in eternity you're investing in something that never ends it never goes away you can't bring anything with you to heaven you can't bring anything with you you know that that you probably heard that there's no there's no u-haul behind a hearse how many have ever heard that in other words, I've been to funerals, I've done funerals, I've performed funerals, and they don't even have a hitch on the back of the hearse. It's not an option. If you went to, you wanted a hearse, you said, I want a hearse with a hitch. They say, we don't make one. They, they don't pull you hauls behind, behind hearse. Uh, you can't bring your boat with you to heaven. You can't bring your four-wheeler, your favorite pillow. Uh, you can't bring your condo. You can't bring anything with you to heaven. The only thing you can bring with you is people. The only thing you can bring with you to heaven is people. You can bring people. You can influence people. I, I think about, I, I like watching uh, the Olympics. And here recently, I, I've been watching the Haney Project, which the Haney Project is, is where uh, Haney is a golf coach. And he takes somebody that doesn't play golf. He's lousy, like myself. And he teaches them how to play golf. And, and recently on the show, he's been teaching Michael Phelps how to play. And Michael Phelps has, has 20, I think, 20 medals, 20 gold medals. And, and what an opportunity, what an amazing Thing it must feel like to stand on that podium and represent your nation and have them raise that flag and you know that all of your hard work I mean while everybody else is sleeping you're swimming and then you go to school and then you come home from school and while everybody else is playing the Wii or playing basketball you're swimming and you do that year after year after year after year and finally you arrive to that podium and you stand there and they play the national anthem and they give you that medal and over and over again he's won and he's accomplished but the reality reality is whether it's a Pulitzer Prize or a Nobel Peace Prize or a gold medal or a national championship or the Heisman Trophy whatever accolades that we can accumulate on this planet none of them could ever compare to just leading one person to Christ just one person just leading one person to a committed relationship with Jesus Christ it would be it would that's more valuable than a thousand gold medals you know and they say Phelps's his medals have brought him already 40 million man that's pretty good pretty good I bet he's glad he swam now he's like God the backstroke was worth it. It was all worth it. I got 40 mil. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I certainly don't demean uh, effort and pouring your life into something. Listen, Jesus, he came and, and he gives the parable. He says uh, that there was, there was a, a, a king and he entrusts to these three men. He says, to, to you, I'm going to give five talents. And to you, I'm going to give three talents. And to you, I'm going to give one talent. And the Bible says he went away for a season. Then he comes back and he says, what did you do with the five? And the man with the five 
five says, well, I made ten. And, and the guy says, right on, great, you made five extras. What would you do with the three? He says, well, I made six. I doubled mine. He said, great, that's awesome. What would you do with the one? And the man with the one, he said, he said, I thought you to be a hard person. And I was afraid, so I hid my talent. I didn't do anything with it. So Jesus said, he says, well, take, take, I'm going to take your one away, and I'm going to give it to the person with the ten. What's the point of the story? Well, to me, is everybody's got something. All of you have gifts. All of you have talents. All of you have something to offer. So there's nobody that says, I don't have anything to offer. I can't reach anybody. I can't do anything. No, you absolutely can. Everybody has got something. And Jesus here, he's given us the gift of salvation. And, and, and if, you, if you do great accomplishments, and I think you should, I certainly don't want to come off as saying, well, I don't think that you should pursue those things. No, I think you should be as good in business as you should be. You should be as good in athletics as you could be. You should be as good as in your career, parenting, or whatever. But ultimately, the Bible says one day we're going to stand before God. And we're going to place on the throne uh, what we did. And the Bible says he's going to hit it with the fire of God. And it's either going to burn like hay and stubble. Or it's going to be refined as pure gold. That's what the Bible says. That one day you're going to bring your, your life to him. And whenever he hits it with the fire of God, his holy anointed fire, it's either going to evaporate. And a lot of people are going to carry a lot of things and they're going to say, man, look what I did, look what I did. But whenever he compares it to eternity, it's just going to go up in smoke. It's going to vaporize. And they're going to realize that, that everything they poured their life into, uh, it, it, nothing wrong with it. It's good. But, but a lot of it is just a distraction. But, but you can have him hit it. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that it'll be, it'll be refined as pure gold. In other words, his fire is going to burn off all of the bad stuff and just going to leave. I don't know if you've ever been to a refinery. My uncle works in a refinery and I, I like to go to it and they give you those glasses and they heat this metal up and all of the bad stuff bubbles up to the top and they scrape all of that off and then they pour that precious metal into pure blocks. And whenever God hits our life, uh, everything that didn't matter is going to vaporize. But the stuff that did matter, the people that we reached, it's going to be refined and it'll be worth it. So, so I, what, whatever you accomplish, great. But, but I encourage you to use it as a platform to reach people. Use it as a way to, to influence people. So I want to show you here in, in Romans chapter 10, this morning, verse 14, we're going to start uh, right there. It says, how then shall they? Who is they? Well, just people. It says, how shall people call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now here he says, listen, how are people going to know unless, unless somebody tells them? Somebody has to let them know. And it says, how will they hear without a preacher? Now the word preacher here, we think of a preacher. Like, is you the, you the preacher? Are you the preacher? That's what people say to me. Are you a preacher? Are you a preacher? I heard you's a preacher. Are you a preacher? 
Whenever I go to Mississippi, all my kinfolks know me as, oh, he's a preacher. They introduce me as, oh, he's a preacher. Oh, he's a preacher. It's my cousin. He's a preacher. This is my nephew. He's a preacher. But, but the word here, preacher, is not just a preacher. The word preacher here actually means to herald or to proclaim or to publish. That's what it means. So he's really not talking about a ministry gift here. He's saying everybody has a personal pulpit. Everybody needs to be somebody that proclaims, publishes, or heralds what Jesus did for him. You don't have to be, uh, you know, wear the white thing on the collar. Priest, right. Yes. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be, you know, have, be a pastor of a church or evangelist, televangelist. No, that's really not. That. No, anybody that's got a voice, anybody, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Listen, if you've got breath, everybody take a deep breath. You qualify. Congratulations. I knight thee. You are now, you are a preacher. I don't ordain you. There you go. You are now capable to find people around you and to reach them. I was just talking, uh, Mike, I hope you don't mind me telling this. I didn't clear this, will you? That's always dangerous when a preacher says that. I hope you don't mind me telling you about all that secret sin. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not secret sin. <laughs> yeah, Tanya. Tanya's scooting over now. She's like, here comes the fire of God. He's going to get you. Not <laughs> to burn you up right here in church. Uh, but I was talking to Mike, and, and uh, we were standing in, the, in his driveway talking, I guess, the day before yesterday or something. And, and he talks about the, the first person that, that he got, I guess, saved. And obviously, whenever I say he got him saved, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't have the chops to get anybody saved, saved. He's not the Savior. But he did open up his mouth and proclaim what Jesus did for him. And I could relate to his story because uh, he had never done this before, but he wanted to tell his best friend about Jesus, a friend that he had grown up with and, and, and he had come into a relationship with Christ and now he wanted to share that with this other individual and of course he got what, what everybody gets and most people have gone through this you get all nervous and you don't know what to do and the friends over at your house and, and down on the inside you're like now's your time and, and then the other little voice on your shoulder says no wait till after the first quarter and then you come, at the first quarter ends and you're ready to tell him and they're like no let's do it after halftime let's do it after the and then let's do it after the fourth quarter now let's watch a movie and you know you keep dragging Dragging the night on, but he said, finally, uh, the, 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 the night is over. So they're walking out the back door, and he just says, okay, Mike, it's time to go for broke. I can relate. I don't know if any of y'all have ever gone through this. But, but he says, man, I, I, the reason is because he said, I didn't know if my friend was going to think I was judging them or if they were going to think that I was, you know, now I was righteous or whatever. He didn't want to do it, but he wanted them to experience oh, the, the, what, what he knows to be true, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, that there is a, a relationship that you can have with the creator of everything, that there is a life and life more abundantly. So, so he finally, he just says, I just went for broke, but he says, I talk real fast. And I was like, hey, you know, we started going this church and this church is really cool and I just want to make if you maybe 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 you'd like to go to church with me and then his friend says sure that sounds awesome that'd be great when do we go well long story short of course the friend gets saved and becomes a committed Christian and I don't know what Michael do for the rest of his life but but at least he can bring that to heaven and you know he may not accomplish whatever but at least for the for the next million millenniums there'll be that individual there because he just decided to proclaim and to herald this is what God did for 
me. And I'm not a preacher preacher, but this is what he did for me. You know, my dad worked on the Union Pacific Railroad riding up and down a, a train track. And uh, my dad was, uh, you know, he liked drinking, went to the bars and shot pool and did all that. But he finally came uh, to know Jesus. But my dad was really quiet. My mom was a preacher. Like my mom preaches every week. She preaches in prisons, every week she preaches in prison. She goes into all men's prisons and she preaches. That's just her. I remember my mom, she would bring us to the ghetto, to the projects. We would get in the little, they have like a common area in most projects. We would get in there and she would have a boom box and she would hit play and some praise and worship would come on the tape mirror. Ah! You know how tape players were. And uh, she would sing and then she would preach to everybody in the projects. She's always had small groups. Everybody in the neighborhood, she hands out flyers. You want to come to my small group? You want to come to my small group? You want to come to my small group? And she meets every month with lots of women. She, she, it's just in her, even though she's meek and mild, she goes to nursing homes, uh, I think, every other week. I mean, it's just in her. She's preaching. Well, my dad is real. Uh, he ain't like that. He ain't like that. I mean, my dad, he'll, uh, if you goose him, he'll knock you out. Like, if you come up behind him and goose him, he will turn around and clean your clock. I mean, he just, he's just kind of rough and tough. And yet, at his funeral, all of these people came. I mean, people after people after people. And come to find out, while sitting on a train or while walking up and down the tracks, he would just share his life and say you know what I used to be like this but but you know my wife kept praying and I finally made it to church you know that's the best decision I ever made and you know I used to be like this you know I used to be like that listen my dad is the furthest thing from a preacher but but his funeral and then another guy's funeral I'll never forget going to Steve Sweezy's funeral Steve didn't have no money and uh and you would never know it just by looking at him he drove he drove like a little white Ford Ranger and yet I showed up for Steve's funeral and hundreds of people standing and in room only. Steve was a black guy, you know, a wonderful guy. But but you just thought him. He was just regular. He was just Steve. But hundreds. I mean, standing room only. There was no seats. And one right after another, they got. They would get up, and these grown men would be crying ah, and crying over Steve. And I remember standing there thinking, like, man, I should have known Steve was that influential in the community. But one after another, people just got up and just poured their heart out about what this man did for them that nobody knew about. And that was he like a preacher, preacher? No, man, he just, he just reached people with his life. He valued people and he valued eternity and he was willing to just invest his life in people. The next, the next verse here, it says, it says, how beautiful are the feet. Now, I don't know what Steve's feet looked like, but apparently they were beautiful. Apparently his feet were just beautiful because one person after another just got up and talked about this. He was a big old black dude and just talked about how beautiful this, this guy was to them. And, and most of us didn't know it, but to him, whenever he walked into a room, they recognized him and, and, and he made them a better person. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel of peace. Those who bring glad tidings of good things. How many of y'all know it's supposed to be glad? It's supposed to be good. The gospel is good news. I, I don't remember whenever I got saved. I got saved every night. Every night from the time I was like six till I was probably 13. 
Every night I got born again because but before I fell asleep, I thought if I died in my sleep and I had sinned that day, I was going to hell. So before I would go to bed, bed, like go to sleep, I say, Lord Jesus, you said if I, that, that if that, that you come into my heart and cleanse me of all my sins, ask you to forgive me about that. Forgive me what I did to my sister. Forgive me about that. Yeah, and I took that. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me about that. Forgive me about that. Yeah, wash me in the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I can go to bed now. If a robber comes in and kills me, I'm good. I'm out of here. And, and so every night I got saved. So I don't really remember uh, some beautiful feet on some guy. Uh, but, but my wife, whenever she got saved, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was an event for her. You know, if she tells a story, she's sitting there and the guy is just, up, just, just sharing the love of God. And she said, I closed my eyes and the next time I opened my eyes, I was already walking down the front. She says, I don't remember me standing up. I don't remember me raising my hand. It's like God picked me up out of my chair the moment he said, bow your head, close your eyes. She's like, I was already down at the front and just crying and just turning my life over to the Lord. And she's never been the same. Well, that man that did that to her, uh, he'll all always have a part of her life and he may never know it may never experience it 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 won't be till heaven that one day a girl from Lake Charles will walk up and say you know you don't know who I am but I was sitting in service and and and, and you just became beautiful the message that you were giving me of good news glad tidings it changed my life and and this is what you did for me and now and and I you know he'll probably never win a gold medal but that's gold baby that's pure gold that's greater than anything you could ever accomplish on this planet I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 5, and I've got to, how many of y'all out there, y'all alive? Yes. Praise God, Luke chapter 5, I want to read this story to you. Because here in Luke chapter 5, uh, you know, the title, I guess you could say, of my, my message this morning is Bass Master. Now, the reason Bass Master is because Jesus likens reaching people as fishing, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're going to reach people, it's going to be like fishing. And, and I don't know if you know anything about Bass Masters, but Bass Masters is to fishing what the PGA is to golf, the, the, the NFL is to football, the NBA is to basketball. If you make it to the Bass Masters, you have arrived in the fishing world. Now, I don't know how many of you are aspiring right now. To arrive in the fishing world. But, but if, if you want to arrive, you have to be a bass master. Recently, uh, my wife and I, we live on, on the Calcasieu River. And man, I just noticed that there was just boats going back and forth. I was like, man, what is going on at the river? And so I started asking around, like, what's the, what's the deal? And they said, oh man, bass masters is on Calcasieu River. Bassmasters is on Calcasieu River. And they say, he said, are you going to go out there and watch them fish? And I thought, no. <laughs> no, I ain't going out there to watch them fish. But, but I'm kind of familiar because my little boy, Noble, he likes to watch fishing on TV. It's not my favorite thing to watch. But Noble likes to watch fishing because some of these guys are so charismatic about a fishing, like Kevin Van Dam, whenever he catches a fish, I mean, he, he acts like he just won, like, like he just KO'd somebody in the ring. He's like, Aah! and he holds that fish up. He's like, Aah! no joke. I'm not joking. You can Google him. I mean, whenever this guy catches a fish, when Kevin Van Dam catches a fish, he goes ape doo-doo. I mean, he goes bananas. He goes crazy. Aah! 
Why? He's like, I just landed this fish. I mean, he is so excited. They've got, a, they've got another guy, a, a, a black guy. He's like the Tiger Woods of bass fishing. Uh, and, and whenever he catches one, he's the same way. He like, I mean, just goes crazy over catching or landing this fish. How many of y'all know we should be like that? Come on, whenever we land somebody for the kingdom, these guys get so excited about these fish that they're going to weigh and then eat. But, but, I mean, they get so pumped up. So, anyway, so these guys are running up and down uh, once I found out who they are. So, I start watching. And sure enough, man, these really nice boats, and it's got decals and sponsors all over it. I mean, the whole boat's covered in sponsors, and the guy driving the boat, he's got on, you know, his fishing jumpsuit or whatever it is that he's got on. It's like a, a onesie. It's like a onesie, you zip it up. But he's got decals all over. All those decals are his sponsors. How do you get sponsors? Well, he's so good at fishing, people pay him. People sponsor him. And to me, I just think about, I think about Jesus. And a lot of people are like, won't God ever do nothing for me? Why do, what do you ever do for him? I believe if you'll get busy working for him, he'll just slap sponsors all over you. That You, you just have sponsors. Just, I mean, don't you know that Billy Graham, one day he's going to show up to heaven, and he just, his whole boat's going to be covered. They can't even find a place to put the sticker. But not just him. You know, you know the man that, that led Billy to the Lord, nobody knows his name. Nobody thinks about him. But, but somebody led little Billy to Jesus. In some Sunday school class on the backside of nowhere, somebody led that man to the Lord. And he's got one more sponsor than Billy because he's got all of Billy's sponsors all over his boat. But then he's got this other big one. He's got a big sponsor. So these guys are running up down the boat. You're covered in sponsors. And what are they doing? They're going fishing. They're pursuing a fish. And here in Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes up to these men. And he's going to talk to them about fishing. I remember going fishing. I grew up fishing with my dad. But I didn't really fish. I just sat in the bottom of the boat. And I'd get really bored. Have you ever been fishing and you ain't catching? I mean, I know sometimes you go fish, you don't catch something. Listen, sometimes you, you, may, you may go a, a, a period of time where the people you're trying to influence, that they reject it. They really don't receive it. You know, I was talking to Tanya out there, and, and, she's, and she, she used to say, man, I've been trying to invite this person to church. I've been trying to invite this person. And they may shut you down for a year, and you feel like, they just ain't biting. They just aren't biting. It's not working. But then the next day, you'll land them. They'll get in the boat, and, and the rest will be history. So most people that fish, they're used to not catching. But they don't stop fishing. They keep catching. Baby, these suckers run up and down the river. I mean, I, I've been with my dad many times. We didn't catch nothing. And the only thing that would make fishing somewhat uh, doable for me was Little Debbie. That's it. That's all. That's all. That For me, fishing, I equated fishing with Little Debbie. I just found out that Dave's dad worked for Little Debbie. How many years, Dave? 18 years he worked for Little Debbie. He was like my hero. I couldn't believe it. He told me that. I was like, man, your dad worked for Little Debbie for 18 years. Oh, my God. I grew up with you. I grew up with your daddy. <laughs> Not that his daddy's Little Debbie, but I was like, man, I grew up with you. I watched Doogie Hauser and, and the Wonder Years with you. With, with Man, we like have a kindred spirit now. Because uh, I just remember sitting in the bottom of the boat, and you open up the ice chest, and, the, and, and you know, it's, the ice is melted. And it, 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 and you got a sandwich in there that your dad made. You know how dads make sandwiches. You know, you, <laughs> there's like no mayo, and then you hit a bomb. It's just like a big bomb of mayo. And 
the, the bag got half closed, and so now it's got some water in it, so it's like half soggy. But you've been out on the water for like three hours. How many of y'all know if you've ever been around the water? It just makes you starve. You're just like, oh, my God, I could eat the carpet. And so you open up the, the ice chest, man, and you get out the soggy sandwich. You don't care, man. You're eating it. It's delicious. And then you get out the zebra cakes and the pinwheels. I bought some zebra cakes for Man Day, so I brought them. How many of y'all ever had zebra cakes? We don't even know what they're made of, but man, <laughs> the outside's kind of plasticky, but it doesn't matter. They're good. You peel the outside off first, and you eat that first. Then you open it up. You lick the center out, and then you eat the cake last. That's how you eat a zebra cake. But I remember you open up the ice chest, and you get out the, you get out the sandwich, and you get out the zebra cakes. And that, for me, that was fishing, just sitting in the bottom of the boat, just eating, uh, yes, our star crunches. And whenever I'd be ready to go, I'm ready to go, this is boring. He'd just throw me like another star crunch. Like, here, this will tie you over for another 15 minutes. And he'd keep fishing. And he would have rod after rod. He'd have like six rods. Why would you have six rods? Well, on the end of each rod was a different bait. He'd have a topwater bait. He'd have a worm bait. He'd have a spinner bait. He would have a crank bait. And depending upon the depth of the water, how clear the water is, the temperature of the water, he would check the barometric pressure. He had a machine that would show him where the fish were. He'd be riding around, and then he stopped, and there's fish right up under the boat. So, so he used all of the technology that he could. He used all the baits that he could he used everything and he would take all of these into consideration why he's trying to reach these fish he's trying to catch these fish and here we have Jesus I'm gonna read this to you in Luke chapter 1 it says so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God they're pressing against Jesus that Jesus stood by the lake of Genesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone out from them and they were washing their nets why they'd given up so he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and he asked him he said put out a little bit from the land and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat and when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch but Simon answered and said to him he said master we've toiled all night long and caught nothing nevertheless at your word I will let down the net how many y'all know that there'll be times that you'll just have a, just just down on the inside you know that that you're supposed to uh to to, to reach out to someone or to say something and we want to make excuses we say no they're not gonna do this or no they're not. and we make excuses but Jesus down in that said he says no I'm telling you this is your moment launch out I know you haven't caught this person before but but hit them again uh, we went and did beach sweep two weeks ago and we were catching and we're, we're picking up all the trash on the beach across from steamboat bills and we had picked up I think maybe six five gallon buckets and we dumped them in the in the bags and we were going to have I wanted to get 12 five gallon buckets of trash off the beach I thought that'd be awesome that'd be 60 gallons of trash so we empty all our buckets and I set out again and I'm going and I'm walking I'm picking up trash and there's a guy sitting on the bench and immediately I'm like don't talk to him you have your buckets half full and you need five and a half more buckets 
to meet your trash quota that you imaginarily made up in your brain. It's not like the trash gods or something were going to try and hold you to it. But I had this in my brain. I really want 12 things. But this guy's sitting there all by himself. So I'm kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. So I walk past him, you know, and I kind of feel like, oh, man, you should just talk to him, just whatever. So he reaches out to me, and he says, hey, hey, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing? He says, oh, I'm doing good. He says, I just want to thank you for picking up the trash on our beach. He says, more people need to be, uh, you know, they need to go around me doing this. So I'm like, yeah, you know, we... Uh, we, you know, there's kids on the beach and there's glass, so we're trying to help out or whatever. So I go, I sit down, and I guess I end up sitting there for probably 30 or 40 minutes. I think some of my help, helper, my beach sweeper people there helping me were like, preachers over there, pretend preaching to somebody. We got stuff to pick up off the beach. But I was just sitting there in his name. He said, he said my name's Walter. He said, he said, 34 years ago, I left Lake Charles. He said, I was a burden on my mom, and, and, and I was getting in trouble with the law. So he said, I moved to Seattle, and I started painting boats for the Navy. And he said, for the, for the last 30 years, I've been painting boats for the Navy living in Seattle. I said, man, you're a long way from home. He said, yeah, but he said, he said there's something happening. He said, whenever I was 30 years old, he said, I was acting like an 18-year-old, and I was going out, and I was partying, and I wasn't, I wasn't right. And he said, one night I just broke, and he said, I just sat on the floor in my bathroom, and I just cried out to God, and I said, God, just help. And he said, the next day I woke up, and he said, it was like I was a different person. He said, I went to work, and he said, he said I became their best employee. Everybody wanted me to run their, 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 their crew, and I saved the company all kind of money. And he said, my life's just changed from that point. And he said, now at 55, he's 55, he had a nice car with nice rims, you know, and he, and he had nice shoes and he had on leather hat, you know. And uh, he's sitting there, he says, now, now at 55, I just come down here and sometimes I just watch the, the beach and I watch the waves roll in. And I thought, oh, man, good, that's Walter. Well, Walter, you know, I'm glad. And, but I just started. So he's witnessing to me. He doesn't know that I'm a pastor, that I'm a preacher. And, and, and the Lord's wanting me to stop and talk to him, uh, not necessarily just so that I can give him my four points of my last sermon, but this man is just sharing his life with me. And, and so I just started to encourage him. I said, you know, Walter, I said, you have a voice. I said, man, there, there's 30-year-olds there's in this city right now that, that need to get a job and learn how to work and learn how to invest. And, and you could be a role model. I said, and you need to be a deacon at your church. You have a voice to pour into people that, that are 18 and 25 and 30 that don't have any hope. And, and, and just, man, me and him are just going back and forth, just, just talking, just sharing. And, and of course, we, we ended and we prayed. And, and, and I have a friend now. I said, man, Walter, I, I, I'm thankful. So, I have, of course, I walk away from the situation. And I'm like, well, Lord, there you go again. There you go again, Lord. You know, I'm thinking that it's going to be one way, and then it, but it turns out to be something totally different. Uh, he, God just uses people, even, even preachers. He uses people to reach preachers. And, and that's just the way that God is. Here we have these men here. I've got to finish. He says, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But he said, we've been going through this all night long, but we will, at your word, I will let down my net. And, they, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. My wife and I thank God for partners that we can call on that just help us. Amen. Well, we need help. Thank God for partners that will help bring in the fish. They came and they filled both of the boats 
so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is this scripture here. Because many times we think of God's judgment is what's going to bring us to repentance. God going to get you. I'm going to bow down. But here you have the goodness of God. This man just caught more fish in one afternoon than he's probably caught his whole life. And the goodness of God just wilts him, just, 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 just brings him to his knees. And we think that, you know, God's going to, he's going to get us to submit like this. But I don't know about you. There's been so many times whenever I've just looked at my life and I just see God's goodness. And once I see his goodness, I'm just like, man, I'm a sinful man. You're so good to me and many times I don't deserve it your word comes to me and sometimes I don't obey it and yet you're just good and you're wonderful and the Bible says his goodness brings us to repentance so he just falls down and he wilts and he says depart from me I'm a sinful man but he and all who are with him were astonished at the catch of fish what they had taken and so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon and Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on you're going to catch men so when they had brought their boats to the land they forsook all and they followed him here Simon Peter uh, the Lord Jesus just looks at him and he says listen the things that you've learned your whole life about fishing you're still going to use those, but it's just going to be different. You were using nets sometimes. Sometimes you use a hook. Sometimes you use shrimp. Sometimes you use, uh, you know, squid. You got different methods of reaching people. He says, I'm going to show you how to reach and influence your generation. Sometimes, you know, you... It, you know, here at the church, that I believe the Lord has different nets for us to use and reach people. You guys have different bait that I don't have. Some of you are raising teenagers. I don't have any teenagers. I can't relate. I was a teenager and a knucklehead at that. But, but I can't relate to raising teenagers. Well, you've got bait that I don't have. Some of you have gone through, you know, uh, miscarriages or abuse or abortions, things that, that you've gone through and, and you've been healed. I can't, I don't have that bait. It's not in my tackle box I, I don't have it I'll never have it uh, I'm not getting pregnant Amen. high five on that it's not in my box it's not in my tackle box I, I don't have that bait but, but God's given you bait supernaturally. He's given you not just one rod, but another rod and another rod and another rod. And dependent upon the situation, dependent upon the person, dependent upon the time. Everywhere Jesus went, he was using different baits, different ways to influence people. Sometimes he would use healing. Sometimes he would use forgiveness. Sometimes he would use compassion. Sometimes he would just love the hell right out of them. But, but he knew what to use. And if we'll hearken unto his word... If we'll listen to down here on the inside, he'll show you how to reach people. And at the end of your life, instead of just bringing what, whatever you feel like you got, you can say, you know what, I, I have four, four people, four people that, that became followers of Jesus because of me. That, that's what I have. It could be four, could be 40, could be 400, could be 4,000. You know, to, to each his own, to whatever level or wherever you start. But I want to challenge you and give you a, a homework this week. And that is look for opportunities to invest. Oh, I got to go. Jeez Louise. Look for opportunities to invest in people. When you invest in people, you're investing in eternity. When you invest in people, 
You're investing in heaven. Look for, look for bait. Ask the Lord to show you how can I, you know, your, your bait could be buying somebody lunch. Today we're doing a crawfish bowl. Some of the guys go to our church, some of them don't. What is that? That's just a way to try and influence and bring people to the knowledge of God. I'm trying to get men around other men, so not just the preachers telling them to love Jesus, but somebody else can say, you know what, I've gone through this, and now this is how I came out of it. I was addicted. You know, it took me, you know, it took me six months, but, but the Lord helped me straighten myself out. So, so whatever the bait is, I encourage you to start looking for ways to introduce people to the master. The last thing the Lord told me last night as I was preparing for this, uh, and I had my wife put it on there. I'll just read it to you. It says, those who, those who have experienced salvation are in a lifeboat floating in an ocean of souls. I was about to go to bed last night. And I said, you, I want you to add this to the, to, to the, to the bulletin. And the Lord, he just spoke that to my heart. He says, listen, you're in a lifeboat. We, we just recently went on a cruise and they got those big boats hanging off the side of it. Noble says, what's that for? I say, well, the, the ship sinks. We got to get in there. And his face goes, but thank God there's a lifeboat. Come on, if there wasn't a lifeboat, you know, so sometimes you go through things and you're like, well, man, this is tragic. Yeah, but there's a boat. God, at least you can get in a boat. Noah had a boat, man, and it was a boat that was, that was covered in pitch and probably wasn't very pretty to look at. And the animals probably smelled real rank, but thank God he's in a boat. And, and he's in a boat, and, and all of us are in a boat. And, and there's a, an ocean of souls around us. Jesus said, look up. Look up. The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of people that need to be reached, and we're in the boat. So what's our job? Well, you got you to throw the bait out there. Set the hook. But i got to get you in the boat. If I don't get you in the boat, you'll be lost forever. So I encourage you to try and get people in the boat. We've got to pray together this morning. Thank you, Father God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus. You are the master. There's nobody, uh, there's nobody like you. And I know that you're calling us to introduce people to you. Thank God that there is a heaven to gain, a hell to shun, and that, that you want us to, to bring to you true riches. And Lord, the only thing we can bring off of this planet is other people. We purpose in our heart this week to, to use our bait, open up our tackle box, and reach people. Bring them into the boat. Thank you, Lord, for uh, every person here. If you've never been saved before, if you need to be born again, if you say, man, I'm in the, I'm in the ocean. I, I don't have a boat. I don't have a vest. Uh, I'm, I'm doomed. If you're here, listen, I'm throwing you a line right now. I'm, I've got a, a, a jacket. I'm trying to get it to you, trying to get you in the boat. If you're here, you say, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Uh, I need to be rescued. If that's you, I ask you to raise your hand.